0: You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. How crazy is it that Easter is like a month away? Is that wild? That's wild to think. Uh, Really excited for what God is doing and will continue to do. We're going to do three services on Easter to make sure uh, that we can accommodate all of your friends and family, that you're going to leverage your relationship, that they might experience the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ. Uh, But we also want to make sure that if uh, they long to social distance and have that space, that they also have that. So we want to be respectful uh, and missional simultaneously, and both are possible. So uh, I really want to invite you. uh, It's going to be 830, 10 and 1130. If you're looking for space, uh, as you know, as First Service people, space is found in the First Service. Uh, (laughs) So I encourage you, if you're looking for space, come to First Service. Uh, We want to continue to to respect that. But I'm excited. Yesterday was uh, Love the Block. We partnered with Unite Phoenix. How many of you guys were there? That was awesome. Uh, I love seeing our people um, just serving. I if I didn't see you yesterday, I'm not, you know, it's, it's a, I'm not really sure who was all there. I left uh, a training session and then just drove straight to Chandler, and we did um, Sidewalk Sunday School, and it's just so cool to see um, all our, our banner people just like playing with kids and encouraging them, and that just means so much, and, and I love that. So I love the big win for us there. I, I'm excited for today because we're actually launching our leadership lunch. And so today, uh, after the session. Second service, we are going to have an opportunity where we're talking about what does it mean uh, to be led by God, to lead yourself, and how you can lead others as well. And it, can I tell you, I really believe in the mission of the church, but there is a, there is a leadership gap in the church because so many of us don't feel like we have the opportunity or the tools that we're not equipped to to not only lead others, but just like be led by God and lead ourselves. So we want this to be a tool of encouragement and empowerment for you. Uh, that regardless of whatever part of life you step in, whether it be family or work or even just yourself, that you would be more equipped. So we want to bless you. So I want to encourage you. If you haven't signed up, that's the first step of leadership and leading yourself well is to sign up and then do the thing you said you were going to do. Um, and so I encourage you go uh, on Church Center. If you don't have the app, download it. Uh, but go on Church Center and sign up for the leadership lunch. That also helps us know how much lunch to have at the Leadership Lunch, um, and that, that's really, really important. So I'm really excited, but I wanted to read to you as we continue our uh, beatitude series on Matthew uh, chapter 5. I just wanted to read to you the Beatitudes all together. Is that okay? Okay, good. I want to encourage you as I read the scripture to you. Uh, maybe you ran in here, you rush in here, you relate and so your your heart rate's still up, your mind's still focused, you're thinking on things. I just want to encourage you said so you can even set your Bible down, set your phone down, whatever you need and just just listen and receive for for 30 seconds here. Just listen to the beatitudes, hear the heart of Jesus, how much he deeply cares for you, how there is a better blessing in life and how he wants to encourage you with his words. So I just want to read this over you that you might be encouraged today. It says Matthew 5, 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Would you pray with me today? God, we are just so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for your love, God. And we're so grateful that through your word, you have spoken your deep love for us. And so as we open your word, we do pray that our hearts would be softened, and God, give us Uh, Just the eyes to see and the mind to understand and the ears to hear what you're speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wasn't our worship team incredible this morning? I love seeing Christian up there uh, rocking the Spider-Man, just swag, looking good, and uh, love that he just jumped in last minute, right, last night, jumped in, just like mega servant heart, uh, playing bass and rocking out, and I love it, he's always worshiping and moving, it just, it feels good, so I, I love you, man, thank you for being so willing to serve so faithfully all the time, just such a blessing, Christian and Sydney are amazing. Um, it's interesting, today we're talking about peace, uh, in, in my house I was thinking about this and it was kind of ironic writing this message because I had to wait um, as I was gonna work on it and kind of prepare for this morning I had to wait till my kids went to bed because how many of you know there is no peace till the children are asleep right <laughs> um, there's a lot of fun and excitement and joy and rejoicing and celebrating um, but my, my home is a bit chaotic uh, when my children are up and uh, I mean I love it uh, I I love it, but I wouldn't define it. If someone were to look at my home, uh, I don't think they would define that moment as peaceful. I get a lot of peace from it because I'm just happy people are there and celebrating. But uh, I notice when people who don't have children come into my home and experience children. You know what I'm talking about, right? People who have kids, let's just be honest. People who don't have kids, they're like, why don't you just blank? And you're like, (laughs) that's adorable. (laughs) good for you. <laughs> but I, I think it's fun, but a lot of people say, oh, it's not that peaceful. And, but I, I love my home. I think it's a peaceful place, and I, we try to make it peaceful, uh, mostly because the world is not very peaceful, right? Uh, I have a fascination with researching kind of um, conflicts around the world and what's happening around the world, and I can tell you for a fact, if you've not been paying attention, the world is not super peaceful, Right. In fact, there's a lot of evil in the world. uh, And we'd have to say that's kind of the natural state of any place that has human beings, that there will be conflict. Kind of this utopian idea that like, well, if we just had enough blank, if we just had enough money or government regulation or whatever, like then there would be peace. Uh, I mean, not really history history would come up kind of slappy in the face with that one, right? (laughs) Because where there's people that there is conflict Uh, If i'm being honest, I was joking with my wife about this. I am not in my human nature prone to being a peacemaker If I were to be really honest with myself I I embrace conflict in my humanity in my sin. It fuels me if I'm being really honest like i'm the guy that when the light turns green and and if I don't go fast enough and the guy behind me honks I will sit there till the car dies <laughs> Okay. Oh really? Okay. We're gonna wait then right. That's my human nature. I don't do that now Like I want to be a peacemaker um You know, in my younger years, I was not prone uh, towards peacemaking, and I noticed that normally people don't like conflict, and so if you go after conflict, most people are like, oh, no, I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> right? And so my human nature I mean this is I mean, just being honest Okay, My human nature Some of you you hate conflict Some of you you're like you could run into conflict No problem uh, I feel like I'm not my best when things are calm I'm my best when there is conflict Like someone cuts their hand open And there's blood like that's when I'm at my best When we're just sitting around in pure silence I'm not super helpful in that mode um, but, but I've had to learn How to be a peacemaker for some of you, it's natural. For me, it's not. Uh, I had to learn how to be someone who is a peacemaking person, and it's important to learn in a non-peaceful world how to be a peacemaker, how to be somebody who makes peace. In Matthew five nine, the scripture we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, open to Matthew five and we'll look at verse nine. It says, "Blessed are the peacemakers." For they shall be called sons of God. It's an interesting phrase. Blessed are the peacemakers. And those who make peace are going to be called the sons of God. Which leads us to the question, what is peacemaking? Right? What is peacemaking? Is it when the guy behind you honks, you give him the wave, thank you, and you go? What is peacemaking? I want to give you a couple things that's not real quick, just so we can get them out of the way. Can we do that? Okay, peacemaking is not an absence of conflict Peace is not to be confused With pacifism or avoidance, right? It's not an absence of conflict Where there are people There will be conflict, right? So when we talk about peace and peacemaking It's not an absence of conflict It's also not an avoidance of strife Notice that Jesus, the model peacemaker, did not avoid difficult and uncomfortable situations. Mainly, like our sin, right? It's not an absence of strife. Jesus never once uh, commands us or commissions us to hide our head in the sand. It's also not an appeasement of parties right? You cannot make everyone happy. And this idea like peace at any price, I don't care what happens as long as we're all being nice, that's, that's not peacemaking. Peacemaking is not evil hidden under a mask of kindness, right? That, that's not peacemaking, Peacemaking is also not an accommodation of issues, meaning a glossing over of problems, acting like everything's okay. Some of you came from this family where there was all kinds of stuff happening under the surface, but it's like we had to just pretend that everything was okay. You had it like no one could actually talk about anything. It was like all this stuff was happening, but maybe you grew up in a home where it's like you were trying to give this impression. Maybe you grew up in a in a religious home, you're trying to give this impression everything's good, so we don't actually want to talk about anything, and so. We're very peaceful. There's an appearance, but underneath the surface, the family is, is, is subtly tearing itself apart, tearing themselves apart, the, these kind of elements, because there's a false idea that it, it, it's peaceful. You're kind of like that water that has an undertow on the surface, it looks like you should go swimming, like, wow, that looks so beautiful, and then you run into it, and someone's like, oh, no, 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 you can't swim there, because there's an undertow, there's a lot happening under the surface, on the surface, it looked peaceful, and so in your mind, when you say peacemaking, the, the idea that might naturally come is, pretend that everything's okay, when it's not, but it's not an accommodation of issues, it's not, it's not a pretending that everything is okay, and some of you, this, this has made conflict uncomfortable. In fact, when I mention, like, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind conflict, I run, you're like, oh, no, that makes me uncomfortable even to hear that. Like, I do not like conflict. I don't like conflict. Like, I will literally sell my home and move away if one of my roommates, like, tells me they might not like a show I like, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like, you're like I'm going to move everything, meet me in Alaska, right? Some I mean, of you don't enjoy conflict. So the question is, what is peacemaking? And specifically, what is peacemaking according to Jesus? I mean, that's what really matters, right? What is peacemaking according to Jesus? He's the one who said, blessed are the peacemakers. So what is peacemaking? Well, I want to just break it down. It's two words, peace and making, right? Peace and maker. Peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Everybody say, shalom. Shalom. Shalom is interesting. Shalom is used as a greeting a lot of times. It's kind of commonly used as a greeting. As part of this broad sense of when you say shalom, uh, it's meant to offer health, prosperity, harmony, and wholeness. So when you're telling somebody shalom, you're not just saying hi. You're like speaking upon them in their life, uh, health, prosperity, harmony, and wholeness. So when you would say uh, shalom as someone would leave, you're saying like leave with prosperity and wholeness and health. Uh, and specifically, when a Jewish person would say shalom, they're kind of wishing on another person the full presence and peace and prosperity of the blessedness of God. So it's more than just goodbye. It's more than just, hey, have a good one, right? Uh, it, it, it's wishing upon somebody the presence, the peace and prosperity, the blessedness of God. And we see that echoed in number 624. It says in that blessing in numbers it says the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace and all of that would be summarized in the hebrew word of shalom when someone would say shalom they would they would receive that blessing of, of number 6 Peace is the blessing of the presence of God. That's what peace is. It's not an avoidance of conflict. It's not total stillness. It is the blessing of the presence of God. The second part, peacemaking, peacemaker, to be a peacemaker. Well, defined in in maker and in the Greek term that's being used here as Jesus is speaking is the active participant idea of to do something. So when he's being um, peacemaker, he's not saying blessed are the peace wishers. He's not saying blessed are the peace talkers. He's not saying blessed are the peace posters. He's not saying blessed are the peace wanters. Blessed are the peace lovers. Blessed are the blessed are the peace ideologists. He's saying blessed are the peacemakers. Listen, peace must be made. Okay, this means there's initiative. To be a peacemaker is to have initiative. Do we understand the difference between wanting something and making something, right? I can want breakfast or I can make breakfast. Which one will feed me? Making. Making. There's an active. Part. If I make it, I am active. I step into a situation where there is none and I make it. I don't hope for it, wish for it. I don't go online and post, man, I really wish I had some breakfast, right what we need is breakfast i actively participate in making it so peacemaker the full word is someone who actively pursues peace they don't avo- avoid conflict they're not seeking to appease they're not compromising standards in which case to to bring a sense of calmness on the surface and chaos under the surface let me give you a definition kind of a working definition of peacemaker ready a peacemaker Actively works to reconcile people to God and one another. Biblically, a peacemaker actively works to reconcile people to God and one another. They want the beauty and blessedness of God for others. Actively works. To reconcile people to God, first and foremost, and to others. So let me give you a couple things here. If you're taking notes, I want, I'm going to give you a couple ideas on peacemaking. Write this down. Jesus is the ultimate model of a peacemaker. Good news. We have a very clear, in our world, in our context, in mess, in strife, in the very world we walk in, we have the ultimate model of being a peacemaker. God is the author of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. Isaiah 9-6, the prophecy of Jesus. For to us, a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. It's through Jesus and the salvation of Jesus that the world receives true peace. Luke 2 14, glory to God in the highest. When the angels come and they tell of Jesus, they say, Listen, shepherd, something's happening. See, he's here. Emmanuel, God with us, the one you've been waiting for. They say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom He's pleased. All throughout Jesus' ministry, when He would heal people, He would say this He would say, Go in peace. Go in peace. Jesus is the model and source of our peace. Listen, if you need peace in life, you need Jesus. Nothing in this world will give you the peace of Jesus. It might give you rest or a moment of calmness or avoidance or whatever it might be, but it will not give you supernatural peace. A peace that passes all understanding, and Jesus promises us peace. In John 14:27, it says, "'Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. How would he say, don't be troubled or be afraid? Because of this. Peacemaking is messy. The great irony of peacemaking is if you're making peace, you're probably not in a very peaceful situation. Hence, peacemaking. It's not peace receiving, peace inheriting, it's peacemaking. So in order to make peace, you'd have to go somewhere where there was not peace. It's messy. See, we often define peace as the absence of conflicts, right? It's this Pax Romana, the idea of like no war, and that's peace, right? We we, we have this idea of the absence of anything but The reality is as peacemakers, since we're given the job, we almost inherit the promise. Well, not almost. We do inherit the promise that there will be the work of peacemaking to do, which means there will be messes, there will be brokenness, there will be difficulty, and so the job of a believer in Christ is not to spend our life avoiding, distancing, walking away, getting over, getting through, getting past messes. The goal is, and the job, and the calling upon our life is to be peacemakers, When Paul spoke of Jesus' peace-making work, here's what he said, Colossians 119. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Jesus saw our mess. He saw our sin. He saw our shame. And he stepped down into it. He didn't avoid the conflict and brokenness and messy stinkiness of our sin, right? He stepped right down into it. He didn't avoid it. He didn't put his head in the sand. He took it. He bore the full weight of our mess, right? He took it upon himself, and he made peace by shedding his own blood because he is the prince of peace. I thought I would just kind of mix it up and read you a verse that kind of feels like it says almost the complete opposite thing, because why not, right? Okay, if you have your Bible, jump to Matthew 10 with me, and I'm going to read it, and at first, it's going to confuse you, considering I just told you all these things that Jesus was a peacemaker, and I'm going to read you a verse that on the surface feels like it says basically the complete opposite of everything I preach with you, but stay with me, okay? Can we do that? Okay, good, okay. <laughs> Matthew ten thirty four. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Okay? <laughs> right? If you had gone home after this sermon and found the scripture, you'd be like, wait a second, what? <laughs> it literally just said, he brings peace on earth. Right? Like, I remember the kids play when we'd have the shepherds, and maybe you went, you know, I don't know, whatever, maybe you you grew up in church, and you saw the shepherd play, and it was like, peace on earth, and the angels came out, peace on earth, goodwill to men, peace on earth, goodwill to men. You're like, but he, Jesus just, Jesus just said, I thought the Bible was literal, It's like guess he literally said this, but what did he mean, right? What did he mean? What, did, what are these words? Do not think I've come to bring peace on the earth. Let's read it. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Okay, so now is he literally justifying violence? Is it? I'm just, for those of you who come at me with like, he's literally saying this. I just I want us to use a little, some good, you know, um, biblical interpretation here. And say, for I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Some of you are like, okay, good, I'm already there. <laughs> and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. okay. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Okay. I feel like we got to be honest. That's a shocking scripture when we just spent 15 minutes saying about how Jesus was peace. Right? It's like a sword. I've got to hate my mother-in-law. Like what is going on, right? But what Jesus is saying here is that the truth of the gospel will bring conflict into a broken world. It is, it is, it does not align with the values of the world. The truth, the freedom, the healing, the joy, the peace of Jesus Christ does not align with the selfishness, the pride, the sin, and the brokenness of the world. Right? And so when you encounter Christ and the, and the truth of Jesus Christ, especially in a culture where your family identity was so pivotal, he's saying, listen, there's going to be some conflict from this. When you receive the freedom and healing power of Jesus Christ and your family's looking at you going like, this is ridiculous. You've turned against us. Especially, remember, he's talking to Jewish people who had not received him as Savior. So in another word, that's called heresy, so he's saying, listen, when you, uh, when you do this, your family's not going to think that that's the truth. And so they might think you're a heretic, and that's going to create some conflict. So just because there is conflict doesn't mean there is unrighteousness. Are you with me? This is not some, like, hippie commune kind of peace, which is ironic because if you study hippie communes, you know, eventually a lot of people end up getting offended and hurt, and then there's no peace. The gospel takes on sin headfirst. The gospel runs its It doesn't wait for It runs its sin with the truth of the hope and healing of Jesus Christ. But man, when that truth hits the brutality of sin, there is conflict. There is conflict difficulty the gospel is conflict for the world how could a god really love us do i really want or need a savior right do i really want to surrender do i really want to give up control do i really i i thought i was the god of my life Postmodernism has told me that it's relative to me but now you're telling me i have to worship someone else but what I love about Jesus is in the message, even as it's conflicting, even as he tells listen people, some of you are going to have to choose. Are you going to listen to your mother and father? Or are you going to listen to Jesus? Are you going to, your own children might think you're crazy for following Jesus, right? And are you going to accept and understand that that is part of the light breaking into the darkness and the darkness not receiving or perceiving it? Or are you going to go back and say it's just not worth it? So he's not saying that He's come to be unpeaceful. And what I love about Jesus is even in understanding that there will be conflict in the message, Jesus is never cruel. He's never cruel. Have you noticed that? He's never cruel. He, it can be received harsh as it comes smashing against the reality of religious spirits and the Pharisees, as it comes smashing against the, the brokenness in the world, but he's never cruel. When you see Jesus sitting down, whether it be with rich leaders or prostitutes, he's never mean to them. Sometimes kind of sarcastic, but never mean, right? (laughs) Jesus doesn't run from it. He knows it's going to cause conflict. The peace of Jesus has always been linked with truth, with justice, and with righteousness. We know from the past few weeks that those are not all qualities the world embraces in our sinful humanity. But I love that He's never cruel. He never says, Well, it's true, you know. Facts don't care about your feelings. True, but Jesus does. He cares about your heart. Your feelings don't make the truth relative to your feelings either. The truth is still the truth. What's true because of the gospel is still true. It doesn't change because it conflicts in your heart with the pride and selfishness of our own sin. That doesn't change. Nothing I feel changes the truth of the Bible, the truth of God's Word, the truth of Jesus Christ. But Jesus does care about how I feel. He does care about my heart. I feel like I got to just say as a side thing here. It's not wrong if in love as you preach the truth, it invokes hostility. But it is wrong if your hostility invokes more hostility. Okay? It's not wrong if your love invokes and the truth of Jesus Christ invokes hostility. But hear me, your hostility will never invoke love. Are you with me? I don't even need to name specific instances. We all know exactly what I'm talking about in life, in culture. Hostility does not invoke love. You can't change truth, but you also cannot violate purity. Peace should never compromise purity. So we're saying, well, I'm just trying to speak the truth. I'm trying to be honest. I'm just being me. But we're violating purity and righteousness and truth and justice in the process to do that. We're just... We're just emoting to others or on the internet or all these places. We're not actually pursuing the peace that Jesus speaks. And what I love about the example of Jesus is that you can preach the brutal truth. And guess what? People didn't like it. They tried to stone him. They killed the disciples, right? Like people did not like it. And he's saying, listen, they're already going to not like it. Don't by your negativity and your hostility make them not like you before they even hear the truth. Give them a chance to hear or reject the truth, be a peacemaker, bring the truth of Jesus, but bring it in a way that reflects the character of Christ. It's already messy enough, peacemaking. Let's model it as Jesus Christ. Let's peacemake as Jesus. Because third thing today, Jesus has actually called us to be peacemakers. It is a call upon our life. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. The word called there is not uh, situational. It is designation. It's an identity. For they will be identified. So Lucy calls me Papa, but it's also my identity. I am that to her. Right? It's not something I am occasionally. That's who I am. Right? Right? I'm not on the occasions she calls me dad, her dad. I am always her dad, right? And the calling is recognizing the designation of my identity. So he's saying, listen, when you are a peacemaker, you take on the identity of being a son or a child of God, meaning you're reflecting the character of the God you profess to belong to. When we make peace, we take on the character of God, and therefore it is easy to identify us, even in persecution, identify us as the children of God. The best testimony to the world is to be a peacemaker. John 13 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Pretty straightforward. They will know that you're mine by how you love others they will see me when they see me at work through you, right? They will know that you're a follower of Jesus. They might know that you're a part of a religious organization. They might know that you're a po- part of a political party by da, 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 and this is what you do. And they might even know that you love a sports team by what you wear. They might even know that you love a group of people by how you identify or post. They might know all kinds of things about you. They will know that you love Jesus If you love others If you do not love others They will not know That you love Jesus That's a big question How will people know The peace of Jesus If we do not go into unpeaceful Unjust unrighteous situations And bring the peace of Jesus How will they know it's not a human activity. We have a call on our identity to be peacemakers. It's weird to me that the church is known as people who, like, argue and bicker over little things. When what we should be known, full stop on, tgh, is being the love of Jesus Christ. Not violating the purity of it. Not saying, like, well, I just want to be loved, so I'm going to violate biblical truth. No. No. Well, I know, but it's going to make people feel uncomfortable if I speak that truth. It's like, yeah, sometimes peacemaking makes people feel uncomfortable because turns out people are selfish. They don't want peace. They want to win. But peacemaking is our divine activity. Romans twelve eighteen says, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love that. Hear those words again. Three phrases. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. <laughs> if it's possible, meaning, it's not always possible to live at peace with everyone. I feel like we just have to own that. Like, if there's any conflict, then somebody must, it's like, oh, but If it's possible, right? Sometimes people refuse to live peaceably with anybody, right? And that's not your fault. You might have people in your family that refuse to live peaceably, and you have loved and encouraged. And that at some point, that's just an abusive relationship that you need to guard your heart from, okay? Are you with me? being seeking peace and being a peacemaker is not to put yourself constantly in a situation to be abused by others well i'm just being a peacemaker i know he he i know he loves me and i know i can bring peace into this relationship it's like girl he's bad news leave go but i i thought i was supposed to bring peace into conflict like yeah but he's the worst leave you're better than this Right? Like you don't need to put yourself in abusive situations, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you. Meaning, sometimes you will do your best effort, but like Jesus says, you need to kick the dust off your feet and go to another town. Right, like You have tried. You have worked actively to make peace. In 1781, Ben Franklin wrote to John Adams and said, Blessed are the peacemakers is, I suppose, for another world. In this world, they're frequently cursed. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Listen, the peacemaking effort is usually not. Let me tell you, as a pastor, the peacemaking effort is usually not rewarded by people being like, oh, thank you. Yes, blessings. It's usually rewarded by, like, you know, getting uh, ghosted in some weird, like, online reviews. And maybe they go tell another pastor who calls me. And it's like, how could you say this to this person? It's like, I don't know, man. It was probably the sixth marriage counseling. I guess they just felt, I don't know, that the gospel wasn't enough right? It's like, it's not usually rewarded by peace. It's usually rewarded by mess. And can I tell you, I'm okay with that. Because I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit I believe in what God can do in lives And I'm okay with it being a messy business Because I love conflict so I'll run into it I'll run into the mess, I don't mind You know why? Because God has called us To be peacemakers It's our identity We don't give up, we build bridges Again, go back to I'm not saying be in abusive situations I'm saying if at all possible As far as it depends on you Build a bridge Find a chasm, build a bridge across it At the same time, I want to encourage you and say, this does not fall upon you, and this burden does not rest on your shoulders solely. This is not a human effort. This is a divine effort. This takes the Holy Spirit. So if you feel like, man, now i got to go out of here, and i got to muster up all this natural energy to build peace in my family and my relationships, to, you know, mend things that have been devastated for generations, and that's on me, and if I don't do it, then I'm not being a peacemaker, and I won't be called a child of God, and then I'll never get into heaven. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying our job is to be obedient, and the Holy Spirit's job is to move in power and authority. And our job is to just trust in the Holy Spirit. Jesus has given us peace through salvation and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the band up. Through His blood, we have peace. We are not a slave to sin. If you're here today, you have never received the peace of Jesus Christ. Hear me say Through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, all of our sin, all of our shame is taken away. It is forgiven. It is released already. And we repent of it. He's already died for it. But secondly, through the Holy Spirit, we have a peace that dwells with us. Married people, how many of you believe you need the Holy Spirit in your relationship? Like, I love my wife. I'll do anything for my wife. But I also don't want the full burden of that weight of peacemaking and relationships because I'm not perfect. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit as a father. I love my kids, but I need the Holy Spirit. Amen? I I need the Holy Spirit to make peace. I love this country. I love this nation. I love this city. But I would be ignorant and foolish to not believe that we need the Holy Spirit to make peace in this nation, right? We need the Holy Spirit to make peace. I read to you before, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I want to read you the verse before that, John 14, 26. Jesus says, the advocate, or the counselor, depending on what your scripture says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, peace wanting, peace talking, peace hashtagging, those are human efforts. And they get human results. And sometimes those human results are awesome. But peacemaking is a divine action of God. And so it takes the divinity of God. It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the divine, supernatural work of God to do a supernatural work of peace. Not only in the world, but in our life. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is, I'll give you a guess, peace. There. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, the testimony of salvation and of the spirit in our lives is not in the shirts we wear, the things we post, it's not in uh, the attendance, it's not in small group, and I love all of those things. I'm not knocking, I love them, we celebrate them. It is in, the testimony is in the active work of reconciling people to God and to one another. It's in the active work, it's in the messy work, it's in the difficult work, it's in the streets, it's in the neighborhoods, it's in the homes, it's in the schools, it's at work. If you want to look different in the world, You don't have to get a soapbox. You don't got to get a little cardboard sign that says the end is near and stand out and yell at people as they go by. That's not going to do anything. What's going to transform a life is to look different by finding moments of conflict, finding moments of hurt, finding moments of pain, finding places of injustice, finding places of suffering and need and making peace, actively participating in the peacemaking work of Jesus Christ. Actively participating in the peacemaking work of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you guys follow global news. I know it can be hard, but it is important. Uh, But in Myanmar right now, there's been this military coup. And uh, these anti-coup protesters have been going for a long time now. And uh, their government uses live rounds to stop protests. And so the consequence of that is obvious. And it's been going on for a long time. I mean, it's very, very, very brutal. And I saw this picture, I saw a bunch of people posted online, and it really hit me, you know, when you're scrolling online, sometimes there's so much unrest and such a lack of peace in the world, it's easy just to go into the next thing. But it really hit me, there's a picture of um, a nun, Sister Ann Rose Twang. and she said she worried for the children being arrested, and so in front of the protest, she fell on her knees and began to pray. And here's what she said, I'll show you the picture in a second says, "I knelt down, begging them not to shoot and torture the children, but to shoot me and kill me instead." And I have a picture. Did you put it up yet? A Very powerful picture. It's a little old lady that's knelt down in front I think at this point, 45 people just in the past three weeks have been shot and killed. Here she's sitting in front. She's standing in front. And she said this, I thought myself dead already since the 28th of February. That's the day she made the decision to stand up. And she said, I can't stand and watch without doing anything, seeing what's happened in front of my eyes while all Myanmar is grieving. I love that her arms are outstretched in this photo because not only is she taking the posture of Christ in this kind of moment, But she so clearly exemplifies the heart of Christ who saw his children being killed and tortured by sin and death. And he knelt down to take the posture of a servant to die on the cross for us to bring us peace. That in a broken world in a dark place in a dark time he stepped down and isaiah 53 5 says he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities and here's the phrase the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed Jesus knowing what's going to come knowing this prophecy knowing what's spoken he looks at his disciples and he says just as I have stepped down into the mess just as I have stepped down into the brokenness and the pain and I have brought peace I have stepped into the conflict I have stepped into the difficulty not avoiding it though I have all the power to do so not getting around it not sitting separate from it not hiding myself away I chose to step into it and bring peace through love and he looks at his disciples and he says so you ought to do the same Jesus is the prince of peace he's given us peace he's given us the spirit and he's called us to make peace and when we do that the world will clearly know that we are children of God And is there anything better than being known as a child of God So I have two questions for you, and I'm just going to invite you to stand to receive and respond to these two questions with me today. If you would just stand and close your eyes, bow your heads with me today. Two questions. Both are relating to peace. The second one we're going to respond in worship to, because I'll even open the altar, open the sides. If you need to step out at any point, you can do that, because I feel like that's a full heart response. But the first question... Is this? Have you received the peace of Jesus Christ through salvation? I want you. I want you to think on this. If you're in this place, focus your heart. If you need to put yourself in a posture, maybe you lift your hands. Maybe you're really tired, so you need to open your eyes. I know. I said close your eyes. Maybe you got to open them. That's okay. Have you received the, the peace of Jesus Christ through salvation? If you're online right now, when you're listening. Maybe you're even watching this YouTube video six months from the day we air this right now. doesn't matter. God is still moving. Ask this question. Have you received the peace of Jesus Christ through salvation? If that's you today and you're saying, I want to receive the peace of Jesus Christ through salvation, would you do me a favor? Would you just lift your head and put it back down? I want to pray for you today. If you're online, would you click the raise your hand button Jesus, I pray for those who have made this choice today to say they choose to follow you and begin this journey. Jesus, we know that it's a journey of every day and every moment saying yes to you, but it begins with this very important moment where we say, yes, Jesus, I lay down my sin at your feet and I choose you as my Lord and Savior and I follow you with my life and I run after you today and I pray a blessing upon every life, God, that they have been adopted in as sons and daughters of God and their sin is released, their shame is gone. The new life is here in Jesus' name. The second thing today, stay in this posture if you would, is this, let me ask you a question. Specifically, are are you known as a peacemaker? What are you doing to make peace? It's the big question I wanna ask you based on the definition of peacemaker. Are you actively reconciling people to God And others, Are you actively reconciling people to God and others? And some of you, you're very hard on yourself. So in this moment, you're going to be like, no, I'm not. I'm the worst. That's not what I'm saying. Are you actively reconciling people to God and others? And if the answer is, you know what? That really has not been the focus of my heart. My focus has been the avoidance of conflict. Or maybe you've been very aggressive with conflict and not peacemaking. Either side. I I'm going to tell you right now the Holy Spirit wants to move in your life and through you do the active work of reconciling people to God and others and so today I just want you to invite the Holy Spirit and say my heart is open and available Holy Spirit for you to move if there's something you need to repent of then you repent to him if there's something you need to lay down lay it down to him lay it down to the Lord today I want to pray for you. If that's you and you're saying, I want to actively reconcile people to God and others, I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit would move that work upon your life and begin to move in your heart. So if that's you with me, would you just lift your hands together and we're going to pray together today. We're praying, God, I want to actively reconcile people to you and to others. Jesus, I pray upon this place. We thank you, God, for the blood shed on the cross for us. And God, we long to actively reconcile people to you because we have been reconciled to you by Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we know this is not a human effort done with human might or human strength. So we make our hearts available and we pray right now, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, upon every life that you would fill so completely, that you would move so thoroughly, that the active work of reconciling people to God and to others would be so apparent that the greatest testimony of your love would be a move of people who are merciful who are pure in heart and who are peacemakers who do the work of making peace. God, send us into conflict. Send us into difficulty. Send us into pain and hurt. Send us into need. Send us into struggle, Holy Spirit, and do the active work of peacemaking. God, for those right now who are afraid of conflict, I pray a boldness through the Holy Spirit that they might step in not by their own power, but by your power, Holy Spirit, and we ask that you would move today in your name. As we worship today in response, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe you want to step out of the aisle. Maybe you want to come forward. Maybe you just, wherever you are, you want to kneel or lift your hands. I want to encourage you, even online, is to find a way to respond and begin to invite the Holy Spirit to move through you in the peacemaking work of reconciling others to God and reconciling them to one another. Let's worship together this morning.